for my senior thesis, I'll be talking about football. Um, the first part of this, or at least this part of my senior thesis, will be about the history of football. Um, there, this is the first part, but there's no particular order in how you can listen to this. Um, there is no, it's not chronological, but I felt like the order that I decided to go with this made the most sense and just flowed the best. Um, this will not cover all information from the beginning of football to now because there's a lot of events that happen and it's, it's a history of over 140 years. So I tried to include the stuff that I thought was the most important and then just went with that. So the first thing that I found was that in 1869, well from 1869 to around 1876, uh, rugby actually gained favor with the major eastern schools of America over soccer and modern football, what we have today, developed from rugby. Something that I didn't realize was that football wasn't just something that was created out of a, an idea. It came from a different sport. It came from rugby. And you can kind of see that nowadays with how similar they are, at least with how physical the sports are and how um, there really isn't any other sport that football can be compared to where you can see as many similarities as rugby. Uh, afterwards, in uh, 1876, at a conference or a convention for f football, at the it's called the um, Mazowit Convention. The first rules for American football were written. Uh, Walter Camp, who would be, who would become known as the father of American football, first became involved with the game. Um, a lot of things I'll mention later uh, involving rules of football, especially with points and procedures. Uh, I'll mention a couple important key factors in scoring for the game, but there are many many changes, especially in the early period of football of how certain maneuvers were counted towards as points. Um, in 1892, again, it's a large jump, it's not just every single year something happening, but in 1892, in an era in which football was a major attraction of local athletic clubs, an intense competition between two Pittsburgh area clubs, the Allegheny Athletic Association, or the AAA, and the Pittsburgh Athletic Club, or the PAC, led to the making of the first professional football player. Formal, former Yale All-America guard William Heffelfinger was paid $500 to play for the AAA to play in a game against the Pack. On November 12th, they won, or November 12th, 1892, the AAA won 4-0 when Heffelfinger picked up a Pack fumble and ran 35 yards for a touchdown. Something I should mention about f football is that... Um, even now, even though nowadays um, college football isn't nearly as popular as the NFL, when it was first grade and football was the intention of football was to be a college-only game, and really, um, if it wasn't for the popularity of it in college and, and the rising popularity of it, we wouldn't have the NFL or many many of the Super Bowls or other type of bowl events for football that we have now. In 1897. Uh, the Latrobe Athletic Association football team went entirely professional, becoming the first team to play a full season with only professional players. In 1898, touchdown changed from four points to five. And even though that's not how it's scored now, um, it is important to, to make a note of, even though that uh, point values are changed relatively often, um, the first time they're changed, especially in the beginning, um, aren't permanent. So right now, a touchdown is worth six points, but even when they first originally had it, it was only worth four points. And the beginning of football was a lot of trial and error to see what worked and what didn't work. In 1899, Chris O'Brien formed a neighborhood team which played under the name the Morgan Athletic Club on the south side of Chicago. The team later became known as the Normals, then the Racine, first street in Chicago, 
the Chicago Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Phoenix Cardinals, and in 1994, the Arizona Cardinals. This team remains to be the oldest continuing operation in pro football. So when you go to see all football teams that are still in play today, uh, the oldest one is the Arizona Cardinals. Going ahead a couple more years, in 1909, a field goal dropped from four points to three. In 1912, a touchdown was increased from five points to six. Jack Husak revived the strong pro team in Cannes. Jack Husak, or Husak won't be mentioned anymore, but it was important to notice that um, even though teams fell apart in the beginning, um, some individual people managed to bring them back and keep them going for a longer period of time. At the time, pro football was in a state of confusion due to three major problems. There was dramatically rising salaries, players continually jumping from one team to another following the highest offer, and the use of college players still enrolled in school. A league in which all the members would follow the same rules seemed to be the answer. An organizational meeting at which uh, four teams at the time, the Akron Pros, Canton Bulldogs, Cleveland Indians, and the Dayton Triangles were represented. It was held at the Jordan and Hutt Mobile Auto Showroom in Canton, Ohio, August 20th. This meeting resulted in the formation of the American Professional Football Conference. Something that I should mention about uh, rising salaries is that even though today football players are paid millions to play the game, at the time, like, like in previous facts, they were only paid a few hundred dollars. So with the rising of salaries, even though the rising salaries rose up to thousands, that really isn't much compared to nowadays. That was a lot for them, especially with it being such a new game. To be offered money to play a game like that when it was still in the, its infant stage is pretty important. A second organizational meeting was held in Canton, September 17th. The teams were from four states, what I mentioned before. Um, Akron, Canton, Cleveland, and Dayton were from Ohio. The Hammond Pros and Munkle Flyers were from Indiana. The Rochester Jeffersons from New York. And the Rock and Island Independents. Uh, Decatur Staley's and Racine Cardinals from Illinois. The name of the league was changed to the American Professional Football Association. Hoping to capitalize on this fame, the members elected Thorpe President Stanley Kofall of Cleveland as Vice President. To add to make the game, the game more official, a membership fee was added of $100 per team, but no team ever paid it. Scheduling was left up to the teams, and there were wide, wide variations, both in the overall number of games played and in the number of, of played against APFA member teams. So you can see that uh, as time passes by, they're trying to make the game more official. Even though teams aren't following the rules, they're making strides so that there are more concrete rules to follow. Four other teams, the Buffalo All-Americans, Chicago Tigers, Columbus Panhandles, and Detroit Heralds, joined the league sometime during the year. On September 26th, 26 of that year, the first game featuring an APFA team was played at Rock Island's Douglas Park. A crowd of 800 watched the Independents defeat the St. Paul Ideals 48-0. A week later, October 3rd, the first game matching two APFA members was held at Triangle Park. Dayton defeated Columbus 14-0, uh, with Lou Partlow of Dayton scoring the first touchdown in the game between the association teams. The same day, Rock Island defeat Muncie 45-0. Be skipping ahead a while because in between this, uh, the early 1920s and up until about the 1950s, it was, it was a lot of just teams playing with each other in the two associations. So there were smaller ones, but those two associations were really the biggest deal when it came to college football. What isn't really mentioned too much in the history of football, at least from what I found, is that all the games played before the rise of NFL was college players or people who 
were of the age you would expect to see a college student be at. Um, football hadn't really become international just because of there was no way to televise it effectively across the country so that everyone can see. So it mainly just stayed in regions. But when there was the possibility of playing nationally, that when, which is when the NFL developed in 1958, college football no longer really enjoyed the amount of popularity as the NFL did because when it reached the 50s, the availability of communication and playing with uh, more than just whoever was in your region grew. College football dropped and NFL became what it is today, which is what you usually think of when you think of football. Skipping ahead a large amount of time into 1998, a new system was put into place called the Bowl Championship Series. For the first time ever, it included all major conferences. Uh, the conferences were just ways for football teams to meet. Um, and of and it also contained all four major bowl games, the Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Sugar Bowl and Fiesta Bowl, although those aren't really mentioned as much later in football. Uh, the champions of these six conferences, along with two at-large sections, were, were invited to play in the four bowl games each year, one of, the four bowl, one of the four bowl games serves the national championship. While it doesn't happen as much anymore, now it's just to the Super Bowl for football, for an NFL championship. Um, you, you do see in the history of football how previous matches and previous bowls and associations make up how football is today. Uh, football wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for things like college football or the region-associated uh, football groups. Uh, if it wasn't for the people who took rugby and turned it into what it is now, and took the spinoff of rugby and turned it into football, or at least college football, we would have a much different game than what we do now.